he was sitting at the table and he looked at her and he said, you know, I'm not surprised. My brother was quite a scoundrel. So, so I actually think that's funny because I call us NPEs now the children of scoundrels. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. Welcome to episode 74. I want to mention an article about male NPEs in our community, and I've addressed this online but I realize I don't think I've spoken about it on the podcast yet. The article I am referring to is from Severance Magazine, and it was published February 1st, 2021. It's written by our very own Brad Ewell. Sorry, Brad, about the pronunciation of the last name, but Brad was on the NPE Stories podcast here from episode 25. If you're interested in his story, he is a late discovery adoptee and he shared his story and he ended up writing this great article. Let me click the link for Severance Magazine, which is an online magazine for people who have experienced a DNA surprise, severancemag.com. The article is, Why Don't Men Want to Talk About It? And the subline is, Men are relatively scarce in Facebook support groups, and even when they are present, they seldom participate. What's behind the reluctance to share their feelings? I loved this article. Well done, well written. Um, he addressed various studies uh, about why men don't want to share or why they're a bit more, you know, lurking on our sites. He also spoke with a few marriage and family therapists about it. And you can read about this article. And um, I really just want to encourage men to talk about their feelings and share on the NPE sites and to continue to share their story. So thank you, Brad, for addressing this. Please read the article to get the whole story behind this. Again, that's from severancemag.com. Uh, the editor is BK Jackson, and she founded this magazine, and I love it. So I wanted to make sure and mention this today. We are the NPE Stories podcast, and we get stories from NPEs and find out where they are on their journey. And today we are speaking with Annie about her story Hi, Annie. Hi, Lily. How are you? I'm good. I'm I'm glad to talk to you again. Do you remember being on the same Zoom call? A I while do. Back? You were you were sitting on your porch, if I remember. Uh, and that was, I was. that was that was the first time I heard of your podcast. And um, I had actually contacted you uh, soon after that. I think it was probably in June. Um, yeah. And uh, 
it was like, you know, I had just gone out because of COVID and I didn't know how long I was going to be home. And wow, do I want to schedule something for October because October seemed so far away. Well, now it's March of 2021 and I'm just now getting my turn. Um, so I've been looking forward to, to uh, doing this podcast. Well, thank you so much for being willing to share. I, I've seen you on you know, the Facebook groups I've seen you on, especially, I think, what are we on? Um, NPs only after the discovery. Yeah. Uh, and I've yeah. seen you on that zoom, that NP call, and I know you're really involved. So it's nice to finally hear your story today. Okay. Okay. So you know how this works. So I will let you kind of take it from here. And if you could start, um, a little bit with your background and, okay. you know, we'd like to know what your original family was like, and what your childhood was like. Okay. Well, um, I'm the youngest of three in my family of origin. And, uh, my mom was a secretary. My dad, when I was really young, he worked for, um, he worked in a factory and probably around the time I started first grade, he worked, he got a job at the post office. Um, you know, so middle class, um, my brother was nine years older than me. My sister was six years older than me. Um, uh, my dad, I refer to him now as my dad, uh, to distinguish between my birth father and him. Um, my dad was a first generation American. Um, his parents were from Italy. Um, and my mom was, um, Irish and, uh, with a little tiny bit of Dutch, her, grandfather was part Dutch. Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't know any of my grandparents, uh, they were all gone, uh, before I was born. Um, and you know, we lived a pretty normal, you know, normal family unit. Um, we, we lived in a two family house. Uh, my aunt and uncle lived downstairs, um, and they had no kids. Um, I did not know anyone in my mom's family except for my aunt who lived downstairs. Um, for whatever reason, she was estranged, um, from her family. Uh, I don't know why. Um, I never got that story, even though I've since met some people from her side of the family. So I basically grew up in an Italian, um, universe because my, my dad's family, everybody was Italian because he had five, uh, four, siblings. Um, they had kids. I was the youngest of seven cousins. So there were seven first cousins altogether. Everyone was significantly older than me. So I basically grew up, um, as an only child. Um, and you know, so my, my universe was kind of formed in an, from an Italian perspective. Um, my mom always worked. Uh, my dad always worked, um, and, you know, was basically, you know, five days a week, dinner at six, do your homework, go to school, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, so it was, it was a pretty, it was a pretty standard New York city nuclear family, I guess. Um, and, uh, you know, so there was nothing significant that gave me any hints except the fact that I did not look Italian. Um, but I, I never, um, questioned that I had no reason to, um, but I did not look like anyone else in my family. And I always kind of felt like an outsider, um, even though they never made me feel that way. I felt that way. 
And I just thought it was because of the age differences and everybody was so much older. Like my parents were a lot older than my friend's parents. Um, my mom was 33 when I was born, you know, and in 1961, that was kind of on the older side. Um, you know, all my friend's parents were much younger, um, than, uh, my mom and dad. And, um, you know, they, they, they sent me to school. I didn't go to public school. I went to Catholic school. Um, you know, and, and that was pretty much it. I mean, there was nothing remarkable in my upbringing. Um, and nothing that would lead me to believe that I wasn't who I was told I was, um, you know, as far as my heritage. Thank you so much for giving that background. I, I knew you were East Coast, so New York City, right? Yeah, yes. Okay. Yes. So how did you find out you were an NPE? In 2000, um, the Ellis Island uh, records went live online. And all I knew was my, my dad's parents came through Ellis Island um, in the early 1900s. And I got, I was able to get some information from his only living sister who was actually still alive. Um, but I haven't seen her in a very long time where they came from. Like I knew they were from Naples, but I didn't know where she gave me some information that she had on their boat. They, which turned out to be wrong, but anyway, um, but I, I did the search on Ellis Island and I found the ship's manifest for my my dad's mother. And um, she was nine years old. And she came over from Naples with, she. there were five sisters and their mother. And they were alone. Um, their dad was already here in the U.S. with his brothers. So here's a woman traveling with five little girls all by herself on a ship from Naples. And I was so excited when I saw that. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. My grandmother right there on this thing, somebody wrote down her name and she was nine years old. And it kind of gave me the genealogy book around that time. I think it was Ancestry, but it might have been AOL had a program called Family Tree Maker and they were offering it for free. So I downloaded it and I started doing my family tree and I put all the information in and, and, you know, all the stuff we do on Ancestry to, to build our trees and get the hints and all that stuff. And, um, you know, years had gone by. And in 2011, I guess it was 2011, um, I had been a longtime uh, subscriber of Ancestry. So they sent me an email and they said that they were developing an at-home DNA test. And would I be interested as a, as a subscriber in getting kind of like the first dibs of um, taking this new technology, an at-home DNA test. And I said, yes, sign me up. So about a year later, um, they sent me a, a link that, you know, here you can purchase the DNA test. I bought it immediately. I spit in the tube and I sent it away. And I had been doing genealogy off and on, um, you know, over those years, over those 12 years uh, since I first found that ship's manifest. And I didn't have a very extensive tree simply because my dad's mother only had sisters. So I couldn't find anyone else with our name. Mm -hmm. um, his brother, his 
his my my grandfather's brothers had no kids. So his my grandfather was the only one who had kids. And um so my last name was not coming up in many searches that I was doing before I got the DNA results back. So um I get the results back. Uh it was probably May or June of 2012 and um I open it up and I see this list of names and I see that it says I'm 99% Irish. And I looked at that and I was like, but I'm not 99% Irish. I'm only half Irish. I'm half Italian. This must be wrong. But I didn't think anything of it. And I looked at the names and I'm like, I don't recognize any of these names and none of them are Italian. Oh, well, and I closed it and I went on with my life. Um, and I did some research, you know, the usual uh, ancestry stuff. And every once in a while, I get emails from them. You have new matches. And it was always names that I didn't recognize. Um, I did get some names uh, that I knew were my mother's side, because even though I didn't know her family, I knew their names. Like I knew, um, you know, this cousin, you know, that niece, that kind of stuff. So um, I did match with people on my mother's side. So I knew there wasn't anything wrong with the test itself, but I couldn't figure out why it still said that I was 99% Irish. And who are all these people? I didn't know anything about centimorgans. I didn't know how to read any of that stuff. And my thought process was, this is a new test. They don't have a very big database. People aren't taking it. Maybe it's not as popular as they hoped it was going to be. And I really didn't pay any attention to it. So in 2015, I got an email from a woman named Shannon and she said, hi, you know, I, I, we have a pretty high match. Um, the, the number range was first cousin once removed. And she said, I'm trying to fit you into my tree. I looked at your tree. I can't figure out how we're related. Maybe you could take a look. So I looked at her tree. And I didn't see any names that I recognized and all of these Irish people that I didn't know. And now I'm like thinking there's something wrong with this because I would have thought by now I would have a match that was Italian after all this time. And I still wasn't getting any Italian matches. And then I looked at the uh, results closer and I started to figure out how to read them. Like, what do these numbers mean? Um, so when I uh, looked, I so I emailed uh, Shannon back and I said, I'm really sorry. I said, I have no idea how we're related. I said, if I come up with something in my research, I'll get back to you. And that was the end of our conversation. So now I'm starting to get suspicious. And I have a very good friend. I actually have a... a, a probably a larger number of friends who are adopted than most people, but I have a number of friends who are adopted. And one of my friends who I've known since high school, uh, she found her birth family or her maternal birth family the old-fashioned way. She hired a detective and they, they searched the records and they found her maternal family. So she was trying to kind of help me navigate what I, what she thought was happening. And I said, the only 
way to explain this is if my father isn't my, my father, Mario, isn't my birth father. I said, but I don't see that being the case. I mean, you know, my mom was, my parents were kind of strict. Um, you know, I had a curfew, um, when I was in high school, I had to be home by a certain time. Um, so it was, it was out of character. Uh, the, the woman I knew as my mother, this was not in her character. And I said, that's really the only explanation is that he's not my birth father. Hmm. So, um, another friend of ours, so adopted, um, she offered to, um, research is like her thing. She's been a student since, you know, she's 61 years old and she's always going to school. So she loves going to school. She loves learning new things. She's a lawyer. She's a doctor. She's a professor. Um, she's not an Indian chief, but she's, uh, basically just about everything else. And she was actually learning how to do, um, genetics at the time. And she said, well, look, if you want me to help you, you know, we'll see, maybe we can, you know, kind of look at all the records and we can put stuff together. I'm like, I don't know if, even if this is true, how am I ever going to know? My mother's been dead since 1994. Anybody that would know anything is gone. I have nobody that I can ask. Um, so at the same time, I'm thinking, well, maybe the test is wrong. So um, my wife decided she wanted to do an ancestry test. So she sent away for one and mistakenly bought two. So she got her test. She did her test. She sent it in. It came back exactly as she expected. She's part German, part Irish, part Norwegian, part this part, that everything she knew that she was came out correct. So I said, you know, I, I should call Ancestry and find out what, you know, maybe it was a mistake. So I call Ancestry and I get somebody on the phone. And this was still kind of early on um, where they weren't as, let's say, sensitive to people calling up with these, these questions. Um, so I said, you know, I, this is my, this is what happened. I'm not finding anyone. So he pulled up my thing, my account. And he said, well, he said, you know, it, it, it's, it looks like your birth father, your father is not your birth. Father. Like just flat out. Just like that. I was like, oh, wow. okay. That was pretty, you know, all right. You just got right to it. And you told me what it was. And I said, well, what if it, what if it's wrong? He said, well, he said, look, he said, it's not wrong. He said, but he said, we can't give you a refund on the test, but we can do something with your subscription. We can maybe give you six months free, that kind of thing. He said, but it's not. He said, it's probably not wrong. So I took that extra test that my wife had and I called my sister and I said, look, I said, I took this test, this DNA test. You know, she knew I had been doing genealogy and, and family tree and all that stuff. And um, I said, would you take a test? For me? She said, yeah, of course, I'll take a test. So I sent her the test. She took it and it came back half Irish, half Italian, just what she is, what I always thought I was. So that kind of solidified it. I did take a 23andMe test as well at the same time. And it came also came back that I was like 98 or 99% Irish. So 
Uh, you know, now I'm kind of in shock. I never had that feeling of um, devastation that a lot of people had um, when they, you know, I hear their stories and stuff. And I don't know if it was distance from my parents' death because they've been gone a long time. We were never really very close. So I didn't have like a daddy's girl kind of relationship with my dad. Um, they were pretty emotionally disconnected to us. Um, and I actually talked to my sister about it a couple of years ago to see if like I was treated differently. And she said, no, they treated all three of us the same way. You know, mm -hmm. like everything was, there was nothing kid centric in our upbringing. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we were not allowed to have friends over for no other reason than they both worked and they didn't want screaming kids in the house. Um, you know, so it, it, there was a lot of distrust by my mother of all of our friends, my brother, my sister, and myself. Um, so, you know, it was, it was just, that was just kind of our household. There wasn't a lot of, um, displays of affection. Um, you know, they weren't touchy feely kind of people. I don't know what that was. I don't know if it had anything to do with who I was. Um, you know, I don't know what was going on in their life when I was conceived. Um, but I was mad. I was angry. Um, for a number of reasons. I was angry that I didn't think I'd ever know. Um, I was angry that I couldn't ask her why she never told me. Um, and I was just kind of angry at the whole situation, but not, not, not overly angry. Like it was just kind of in inner turmoil, I guess would, would be a good way to describe it. Um, and I never kept it a secret. I told my sister right away. Um, my brother, my brother died in 2006, so he wasn't even around to find out. Um, I don't have any contact with, um, my birth certificate father's family simply because we've just grown apart. And I was never close with them anyway, because they were all adults by the time I was born. So, you know, I have cousins that I know them, but they're a lot older than me. So, um, I don't have any familial connections, anybody. And I think that made it easier for me um, when I did find out the information. I kind of reconciled those feelings by thinking about it like as a my mom was 32 when I was conceived and how I was when I was 32. And it's like, well, you know, that's kind of a, a ripe age for a woman. You know, I don't know what was happening in their life. My parents, uh, they had just bought a house, um, a year before, two years before I was born. Um, it could have been pressure. They could have been fighting. They could have had an arrangement. I have no idea. And I reconciled my anger by coming to terms with the fact that it's none of my business. Um, what their personal life was. And once I got to that point, the anger kind of dissipated. Um, so now I was able to concentrate more on how am I going to find out who my family is? Who are all these people? Who are all these strangers on this list that I don't know? 
you know, how are they related to me? So 2015 was when Shannon contacted me. So in 2017, I got a, um, a, a high match that said first cousin. It's like, wow, first cousin. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. So I immediately contacted the person and I knew enough not to say, hey, guess what? I, I, I emailed the, the person. His name was Ed. And I said, um, I said, I, uh, we match pretty high as first cousins on ancestry. I said, can you just tell me if your, um, mother had any brothers? And he emailed me back pretty much within a day. And he said, he said, yeah, he, she, my mom had brothers. They were both priests. Oh, you have got to be kidding me. So <laughs> I'm thinking, he said, well, look at my tree. He goes, you know, my sister knows more about this stuff than I do. I do have a tree. Go look at my tree. I'm like, so I go look at his tree and his uncles <clears throat> or the two brothers um, were born in like 1909 and 1913 or something. And my, we weren't church going people. So my mother wouldn't have had a priest in her social circle, let's say. And they were, that was, that was like 10 and 15 years older than she was. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't think this is it. I don't think it's the priest. So, um, I look at his tree and I'm looking at all these names and I'm like, Hey, wait a minute. That name sounds familiar. Oh, wait, that name sounds familiar too. Where did I see these names? And then I remembered Shannon. So I go over to Shannon's tree and here is Ed and his brothers, and his mother, and all his mother's sisters, and Shannon's father, and Shannon's father's brothers and sisters. And I looked, and I said, holy shit. I said, Shannon's brother, Shannon's father's brother, is married to Ed's mother's sister, and those are my grandparents. It literally fell in my lap in a day. After five years of not knowing my grandparents fell right in my lap. Um, so my grandparents had five kids and they had two girls and I'm sorry. Yeah. Two girls and three boys. So one of these three boys is my birth father. So now what? So now I'm going back and forth with Ed. I get back in touch with Shannon. They're, an unbelievable amount of help to me. They're giving me names. They're giving me dates. They're giving me trees. They're giving me everything that I could ever like. They overwhelmed me with information. It was so much that they both had to do. <clears throat> so, um, so now I just have to figure out, well, which of these three children, which of these three boys um, is my birth father? Well, how am I going to find that out? Only one of them is still alive. So the one that's still alive is about 10 years younger than my mom. And the other two uh, were both younger, but um, my birth father ended up being uh, four years younger than my mom. And the other one was a little younger than that. So, um, so now I have, they, all of these three brothers have five or six, seven kids each good Irish Catholic family. The only thing I could do was hope that one of these 
kids and it that and it would be my sibling so now i all i can do is wait so um ed gets back to me um a couple months later and we have been having regular communication um and he said you know i go to florida he lives in uh, rochester he said you know i go to florida with my wife he said we're retired and with snowbirds we go in the winter and we see um, the oldest of these five children of your grandparents. Um, her name is is Jacqueline. I said, oh, okay. He goes, you know, when we go, I'll see if I can kind of, you know, drive the conversation and see if she knows anything. I said, okay, well, I would appreciate that. That would be great. So a um, couple months go by and uh, he sends me an email he said, "I'm we're we're, we're uh, we we just left Jacqueline's house." He said, "I couldn't figure out a way to bring it up." He said, "But I took her daughter Kira into um, another room, and I told her exactly what was going on, and that one of the three brothers was my birth father." And so she, he said, "You know, if you don't, if you would want to speak to Kira," he said, um, "You know, we'll, um, you know, she might be able to." have more information. So I said, yeah, that'd be great. So he gives me Kira's email address and we start emailing back and forth. We talk on the phone a couple of times and she said, she just came right out and told her mother. She said, ma, look, this is what happened. One of the three, we don't think it's this one, the one that's alive. We think it's one of these two. And she said, nope, my brothers are dead. I don't want to talk about it. It's none of my business. We have to mind our business. So she said, she said to me, she goes, don't worry about it. I'll work on it. So now it turned out Kira is also adopted. So I have adoptees all throughout my, my, uh, my universe here. And, um, so she, so, so Kira said, you know, I'll speak to my mom. We'll talk to my aunt. We'll, we'll kind of, we'll, we'll see what we could figure out. <clears throat> So a few weeks later, it was Easter. And um, on Easter, Ed and his wife were invited over to Jacqueline's house. And they also invited um, one of Kira's cousins who lives in Miami. They're, they're in Florida. So she, the cousin lives in Miami. So she drove up for the day. And they were sitting around and talking and the, um, conversation came around to the old days. So Ed's wife said, Oh, uh, didn't your dad work for IBM? And she said, no, no, he worked for Sinclair and Valentine. Um, Sinclair and Valentine was a printing ink company and that's where my mother was a secretary. So, so once again, dropped right in my lap. Mm -hmm. Um, so now I know for sure that this is who my birth father is. They didn't say anything to the daughter, my sister. Um, they just, Ed and his wife kind of looked at each other because they knew this information already because I had given them, here's what she worked. Here's what she did. She went bowling on Friday. She did this, she did that. So they knew and they, she, when I, I ended up meeting them 
later on, he said that when she said that company, it was all they could do to not like go, oh my God, and like exclaim out loud, like, you won't even believe it. They had to like keep quiet until they left. <laughs> so, um, so he gives me this information. And so now I have, now I, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm like 99% sure that that's him because the other brother did not work there. And there was no other, there was no other connection. So this was the connection. So about a month later, um, they, the, the family has a Facebook page, a Facebook group, a private group for just the family members. And I get a call from Shannon and she says, you're not going to believe it. <clears throat> One of Mike's daughters took a DNA test on 23andMe and she comes into the Facebook group and she goes, hey, this person named Annie came up as a first cousin on my 23andMe list. Who's Annie? So, so she. So now nobody knows, you know, except Shannon and Ed and a couple of second cut Kira, you know. So Shannon immediately gets on the phone and calls this cousin and she tells her, look, this is the story. Your uncle Gene, this is what happened. This is Gene's daughter. So now the cousin is, she says, well, uh, I'm going to have to talk to my dad and I'm going to have to talk to my sister and my brother, and we're going to have to have a conversation. So she goes, um, and she tells Shannon, she goes, I'll, let me talk to my dad and I'll call you back. So she, uh, goes and talks to her dad and her dad says, mind your business. It's none of your business. I don't know anything about it, but it's none of your business. So Maureen calls Shannon back and says, that doesn't want to talk about it. He says he doesn't know anything. You know, I, I don't know what, to, you know, I, I don't know now where, how to proceed with this. Um, but he says he doesn't know anything. And it just so happened that when Maureen, the cousin left her dad's house, she left her cell phone at the house. So she had to go back and get it. And she, when she went back, he was sitting at the table and he looked at her and he said, you know, he goes, I'm not surprised my brother was quite a scoundrel. And, um, so, so I actually think that's funny because, you know, we, we're, I, I, we, I call us NPEs now the children of scoundrels. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so, you know, so, but he didn't know anything. He was significantly younger than the oldest brother. So he didn't really know anything anyway. So now Jackie, um, aunt Jackie, uh, Kira kind of, brought her around and we had a conversation on the phone um after that and uh we were on, we talked for about 2 hours she she came around you know it was like my cousin thought if she could put a voice to a stranger that her mother would be more more willing to accept me so uh and it worked and we talked um for about 2 hours on the phone and I actually went and visited them, um, in, uh, in 2019, um, 2019. Yes. In 2019. Um, so I met 
my my birth father's sister, and I met cousin Ed, and I had had met Shannon, and we had had lunch a few times um, since we connected in 2015. Aunt Jackie accepted me right into the family, and she went into the house, and she said, you come over here and sit by me. And we talked, and she said, she looked at me, she said, you look just like my brother. And they were very close. They were, um, they were like just a little over a year apart. So they, they were the two oldest. They were very, very close. Um, and, you know, I could, I could kind of see it in her face. She said, you look just like my brother. And, um, you know, so that made me feel good. Before I met them, and that was in January of 2019, I wrote a letter to my siblings. There's, well, there were six of them, one passed away. Um, so there are five left. And um, it, I, it took me a long time to compose it. I read it. I edited it 20,000 times. I printed up some photos. Um, and I had um, a member of our, uh, after the discovery group, uh, find an address for me. And I picked one sibling out of out of the five to send it to. And um, I included pictures. I gave him the whole story from A to Z. Uh, so he didn't think I was trying to scam anything. And uh, I mailed it. I sent it by FedEx and um, waited. And he, uh, about 10 days later, I got a response from him. And uh, he said, you know, needless to say, he was shocked. Um, and he said he shared it with his siblings. And they decided that um, because it seemed to be a secret that was meant to be kept, that that's what they wanted to do, was keep that secret. Um, their mother is still alive. So I kind of get that. I, he said, you know, if, if we communicate, I prefer it by email. He gave me his email address. I said, okay, that's fine. And I said, you know, I emailed him back and I said, I appreciate, you know, your response. I understand. I said, look, I don't want, I don't, I'm not here to disrupt anybody's life. I don't want to, um, I don't think your mother deserves to know about me. Uh, because that's not fair to her. Um, you know, she's in the twilight of her years, uh, you know, and, and nobody deserves, even if she knew that he was a scoundrel and she probably did, um, you know, he, she doesn't deserve to have that kind of hurt um, appear in her life. And I would never do that to um, anybody. And I assured him of that a number of times. And you know, he said, I really appreciate your, you know, your sensitivity to that. You know, we, they all have kids. Um, they didn't want to diminish their, their, their kids memories of their grandfather, that kind of thing. I said, I, you know, I understand. I said, look, I'm, I, you know, if, if you could give me medical information, I, I'm happy with that. I said, you know, if it turns out a few years from now, if you, we want to have a relationship, then that's great. If not, that's fine too, you know, and, and I left it at that. And we had um, sent a few emails back and forth, um, you know, over a couple months. In April 
of 2019, um, a bunch of friends and I went to Philadelphia. Um, it was a Game of Thrones premiere episode tradition that we had, and we'd go to like different places every year when the Game of Thrones uh, first mm-hmm. um, episode came on. So we went to Philadelphia, and it just so happened that the brother that I was in communication with lived. He worked in Philadelphia. He lived. He lives in South Jersey. So while we were there, we were there for four days. I, on a whim, I sent him an email. I said, I'm in Philadelphia. Do you want to meet for coffee? And I was expecting to just not hear anything from him at all. But he, he emailed me back right away. He said, well, where are you? Where do you want to meet? And I said, well, this is where my hotel is. You know, I don't know Philadelphia, so pick a place and I'll just show up. So um, we met, sat in the restaurant for about two hours. I found out more stuff. Uh, meeting him in person. Um, it was weird to see someone who looked like me. Um, I had, I literally never had, I never looked like anyone in my family. In in that way, I kind of felt like an adoptee. You know, I had no visual, you know, no visual confirmation of myself. You know what I mean? So to see someone that looked like me, it was, it was a little kind of shocking. Um, And, um, he said, he said, you know, of all of us, he said, I'm probably the worst one you could have reached out to. He said, because I'm so bad at staying in contact with anybody. He said, I barely talk to my own brothers and sisters if they don't call me. I said, well, I said, you know, you, 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 you hit the lottery. I don't know what to tell you. You know, we, I, I kind of hoped that meeting would spark something, but it really didn't. Um, you know, we had emailed back and forth a few times after that, but it was always me. Um, it was always me who initiated an email, you know, can you tell me this? Can you tell me that? Hi, how are you? Just checking in. And it was always a very brief, um, response from him. Um, but they all know about me and, um, I like to go on Facebook and, get my petty on. And every time I see one of them comment on something, I'll go and comment too. Like, you know, with, with the different cousins that I'm friends with on Facebook. Um, but you know, they, they, I just remind them that I'm still here. They haven't blocked me. So that's good. Um, and you know, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I, uh, I speak to my aunt Jackie at least once a week. Um, I'm closer to her than I ever was with anybody in the family I grew up with. Um, you know, Kira and I, she's, I don't know if I mentioned it. She's also adopted. Uh, we've become very close and I was actually able to find her, um, identify her birth parents. Um, I got, I I convinced her to spit in the tube. Um, so I was able to identify her birth parents for her. Um, and um, that's that's pretty much it. I, I actually just made plane reservations to go down to Florida to visit them in May. And I'm really excited about that because I've I've made and canceled because of COVID um, reservations twice. And that's to see your Aunt Jackie, Cousin yeah, Kira. And Cousin Kira. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I, I'm really excited about that. 
And none of your other siblings, besides just that uh, the one half brother, none of the other new siblings have have contacted you. Nope. No. And um, it's funny because last March, um, Kira's daughter got married, and the one of my siblings who lives in Florida went to the wedding. I was actually going to go, and it was right when COVID hit. Like March 14th, they got married. And I so I was going to go, but then because of COVID, I, I canceled my reservation. Um, but m- one of the, one of my sisters actually went to the wedding and I spoke to Kira afterwards and I said, did she say anything? Not a word. Didn't say a single word. And they know who I've spoken to. So the people in the family that I have, that I'm in contact with, I was very straightforward in my letter of, of the people in the family that I've spoken to and who have given me information. Um, you know, but she never said a word, never said a word. Mm. So I know who I am. Then Mm -hmm. I know, listen, you know, it's, and one thing that aunt Jackie said when I was down there uh, a couple of years ago, she, she said when I was leaving, um, she said, don't you worry about those kids. She goes, you're our family now. Just don't, don't worry about it. And when she speaks to the other, there, the, so there are three of them left out of five. When she speaks to the other two, she talks, she tells me, she talks about me all the time. She calls me R. Annie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love yeah, it. I know. I know. She's so great. I can't wait to see her. You had me cracking up saying that uh, we are um, children of scoundrels, aren't we? (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that came up um, at at the retreat uh, in October um, in in Jersey. And, you know, after after everyone had a few drinks and, you know, all the all the you know, all the inhibitions come down. I told, I told that part of the story. And, and so it kind of ballooned out from there. We're the children of scoundrels. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You might have a new listener wondering what this retreat is you're talking about. Can you briefly describe it? I can. Um, Yeah. In fact, we have one coming up in April. Um, It's uh, for NPEs, um, adoptees, LDAs, and um, it's basically uh, four days of, you know, fellowship. We hang out with our tribe. We have workshops. Um, we have, uh, I think this year we're having a hypnotist. Um, we do, we did art therapy. Um, and it's just a lot of um, healing and crying and laughing and, we play games and, and, um, you know, it's basically just being with people that you don't have to explain yourself to, mm. Mm. um, yes. you know, and, and it's so, um, amazing and healing. The first one was in October of 2019 and I had not met any of, um, our group in person. Um, and that's not true. I met one, one person um, prior to the retreat. And it, it just, when we all, especially, uh, um, we, we rent a house. So there's a central location 
um, and some people stay in the house. And the people who stayed in the house, um, we, we've just all been, we've all just gotten so very close. We're like a little mini family within the, um, within the, the larger group. Um, mm. you know, we, so it, it's, it, it, it's, it's just, um, I can't even describe, I don't want to say magical cause that's a little corny. Um, but it's, it's just healing. It, it's, it's just like, I met them and it was like, we always knew each other. That's how I felt. Mm. Um, and I, 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 so bad. Oh, I, I would highly recommend, maybe you could come in October. Mm. Um, October, I think is, is the one I'm going to hit. Yep. Yeah. 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 I would, I highly recommend it. I think you'll have a great time. I think you'll have a great And is that through, I'll put that in the show notes, but I think it's, I know you can find out information through, what is it, MPs only after the discovery? Or after, the discovery. Hi-Rith? Hi-Rith is, after the discovery. Hyrith is, yeah, it's Hyrith, um is the website. Um, okay. I'd have to double check. To link both of those. I think it's Hyrith Hope and Healing is for the retreat yep. information. Um, and they actually, there's actually a website set up uh, because they've, um, they do some nonprofit uh, stuff and they sell merchandise and, um, it's, it's, it's a way to learn more about the, uh, different retreats. And there's, uh, yeah, yeah, there's, it's actually, they, it's, it's set up really nice. There's photos from prior retreats and, you know, so you can kind of, people can kind of get an idea of what it is and what happens there. And, you know, so basically during the day is all retreat stuff. And at night is dinner and everybody goes crazy. So, um, <laughs> you know, there's, <laughs> there's a, you know, there's a lot of laughing, a lot of drinking, a lot of crying, a lot of, you know, just being with each other. It's like being, I, I like to call it our tribe, being with our tribe. Aww. I love it. Thank you yeah, for yeah. describing it. You're selling it, by the way. You're totally selling it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, Annie, how could they do that? And how could they do that? Um, I can be reached um, at my email is annepersico813 at gmail.com. It's A-N-N-E-P-E-R-S-I-C-O 813 at gmail.com. Um, and if they want to join NPE only after the discovery, uh, we can be found on Facebook and uh, just um, request to join. I'm actually an admin in the group. Um, there are some questions, and as long as they meet the criteria, um, we can let them right on in. Mm. And we're we're yeah. we're here for you. Uh, if you're an NPE, uh, please come and join us. It's it's it makes a big difference. It makes a big difference. Thank you so much for being an admin. I just, I love these support groups. I love that Facebook support group. And I know a lot of people have to do a lot of work to keep those going. So thank you for for doing that and for volunteering for the community like that. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE, would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. 
If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us.